You're listening to the More of What Matters podcast, honest conversations for daring women. And so it's that sense of, wow, this very small decision of just doing this work and not delegating is holding me back from having a high functioning team. Um, Also someone who says, you know, as a leadership brand, I want to be known as someone who is one who develops and champions. Okay, great. If you're not delegating, you're not championing and developing people. So which is your priority? Is your priority to do it yourself or is your priority to create high functioning teams and being known for people, someone who gives opportunities for others. I invited my dear friend, Jennifer Thornton on today's episode, and you are in for such a treat. This conversation centered all around leadership, but in a different sort of way, not in the way that you might think. We talk about priorities and we really dive into what's called false priorities. I'm not gonna steal any of the taglines. I'm going to let her share more, but here's what you need to know about Jennifer. She is a champion of progressive businesses that nurture an environment of learning, experimentation, and innovation. She helps rapidly rising companies navigate bold expansion by empowering high-performing and innovative teams to embrace a growth mindset. Jennifer is known for her unconventional approach to creating workforce development solutions for companies that are navigating breakthrough growth and accelerated hiring patterns. Honing 20 plus years of experience as an HR professional, leadership strategist and talent magnet for global brands you know and love, she is the real deal. And if you don't already love her, you're about to when you listen to this conversation. Here's my chat with Jennifer Thornton. Hello, welcome to the More of What Matters podcast. I am so excited to have my friend Jennifer Thornton on today. Jennifer and I have known each other for a very long time. Uh, I will let you tell them a little bit of the story of your background, Jen. Would you just share what you're doing today, the road that led you there, and uh, kind of the work that you're known for? My gosh, the road that led me here is a little windy. I don't know if anyone ever takes a straight road in life. I think we think we're going to, but that never seems to happen. So what got me here today, um, obviously our friendship, which has been so important to me over the years. But, you know, as a young um, adult, you know, what I actually wanted to do when I grew up was to work in the mall. I loved fashion. I loved people. I loved energy. Um, obviously, um, those, those days, you know, the atmosphere in the mall was a little different than it is today, but you know, that's what I wanted to do. And I did that, you know, dreams do come true. I got to work in the mall in high school, but what I didn't realize at the time where I was just wanting to have a lot of fun and get discounts on my favorite clothes, what I was learning is leadership. I was learning how to run a business. I was learning about matrix and KPIs and payroll and fast decisions and all of these things that you don't realize you're learning when you're learning it. But you know, I got the opportunity to learn some great life lessons really early. And you know, fast forward through my career, obviously through operations, I did a couple of different roles, and then I um, had an entire career shift, which is when I met you. I went from operations to HR. And I started in the recruiting world and you were a recruiter for another retailer. And so we started networking and as all good networking relationships, it became became a friendship. Um, And I did that for a while and did some other things within HR. And then 
Um, I got a call out of nowhere. In fact, I was getting my hair done. My hair was like full of color. And I get a phone call from the head of HR, the organization I worked with. And he was like, hey, you want to go to Hong Kong for a while? And I'm like, what am I going to do in Hong Kong? And he's like, I don't know, figure it out when you get there. And I was like, sure, why not? And so off I went to Hong Kong on a temporary assignment for a while, which started another chapter of my career, which was international HR, which was incredible, amazing, so much fun. I got to um, do short-term assignments all over the world. Um, but that was a moment in my life where things really changed. Uh, my confidence changed. You know, if you get dropped off in a country where you don't speak the language, but you have to figure out how to get from the airport to your hotel, you start to problem solve really quickly. You start to get really comfortable being completely uncomfortable. And if it wasn't for that skill set that I was learning in that moment, I don't think I'd be where I am today. I would have never had the confidence to start my own business, which is what I did six years ago. I left that job and against most people's advice, and I'm sure you remember this too, when most people said, don't quit your job for your new um, company, you're like, but I can do this, right? You have this like inner feeling that everyone says you're crazy, but you know you're not. And so I had that feeling um, too, and this pull to do something for myself. And that's when I kicked off 304 Coaching, which is what I do today. Um, we are a talent strategy organization. We do executive coaching, leadership education, academies. We do custom design education programs. Um, we're a full agency that focuses on talent strategies. And so that is the Reader Digest version of how I got here from you today. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's about just taking chances and knowing what your gut wants you to do, even when other people say it's not a great idea. Oh, gosh, I just remember it's so many points along the way of knowing you, admiring how you made decisions. And I think, you know, it's so easy from the outside looking in to think that someone is just more courageous than you or more of a go-getter or more daring um, risk taker. But the reality is it was just as uncomfortable, uncomfortable for you as it would have been for a lot of people to make these choices. What do you think made it different for you? Like what propelled you to say yes when most people would say no? Oh, that's such a good question. You know, I think that the questions that you say yes to or the things you say yes to, the world brings them to you when you need them. I was feeling burned out in my role. I was just feeling restless. And when I got that phone call to go on that assignment to Hong Kong, my body said yes before my brain recognized what had happened. And I remember my leader at the time saying, you can't just say yes and then say no. Like if you're saying yes, you said yes. And I'm like, no, I said yes. And it was really allowing my inner soul to know what was right for me at the time and not let the head trash get in the way and all the reasons no and all the reasons it was bad and all the things I didn't know the answers to, like, where am I going to live? What am, how am I going to, when am I going to come back and forth? Who's going to do this? Like, I just didn't um, set in that. I just moved in faith because everything about me knew that it was, I just needed it. And listening yeah. to the world when the world comes to you and knows you need a change um, and listening to yourself um, and not letting other people influence your beliefs. It's so true. Like when, when you get into the mire of the, the intricate details, that's when a lot of faith gets lost. It's like, oh, that's just going to be way too complicated to figure out. 
Um, I remember feeling that way when I started my first business, like, who am I going to sell to? Who's going to even trust me with this? I've never even used these products before. So it, it is true. Like you can get into that like mind space where you can't get out of it. And so it becomes a very dangerous cycle if you stay there for too long because it really does squash dreams. So when you decided to pursue entrepreneurship, I feel like you had already had a preview to some of that, having done that international experience in Hong Kong. What was different about entrepreneurship and saying yes to that as it relates to stepping out on your own? So one of the things I realized in doing, you know, some of these assignments, you know, I was kind of the assignment person, you know, when something was new or whatever, I kind of was that person. And so unconsciously, I was building evidence that I can figure stuff out. And I woke up one day and I thought, you know, if I can go to another country and figure out how to build basically a business or, you know, my piece of that business piece I was responsible for, um, but also learned how to work through others to figure things out that I didn't know. And if I can do it for a big company, surely I could do it enough for myself to cover my bills. And when I decided to go off on my own and start my own business, it's not the business I built today. I, it was in my mind, it was much smaller. It was just me. And now we have this huge team. Like it was not the business I, I can imagine, but I could imagine just something else. And I think that's the other thing too, is too often we focus on what it will become or what is it going to be versus, Hey, if I can just get through the next six months to a year, I'll be okay. The other trick I played on myself when I launched my own business was what's the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing that could happen is I'd go get a job. That's not bad. That's not a bad day. But that was the absolute yeah. worst thing that could have happened to me is six months, 12 months, 18 months. I would have been like, you know what? I tried it. I don't love it. I'm going to go get a job. That was the worst thing. And I knew I could survive yeah. that. I could survive going and getting a job. Yeah. That's such a good point. And I love the point you made about evidence because everything is evidenced. It depends which way you point the evidence though. A lot of times mm -hmm. you can point evidence to be in your favor or you can point it and go, look, every time I do something, you know, I end up in a whole new world that I don't know anything about. I mean, you see people that do that where it, they can spin it a really positive direction, but oftentimes they don't. So obviously you've consciously been exercising that muscle for a long time. And now you're really known for leadership. You're, le you're known for it in so many different ways, which I think is what is most appealing for me in bringing you on the show is like, gosh, there's not just one area that is your wheelhouse that you focused only on this. You have led a career around marking yourself as a leader, but also demonstrating it long before, you know, a title or a role. It was always evident in knowing you. So Share with us just what it is that drove you to focus on leadership, because I know your podcast is on leadership. A lot of your coaching work is around leadership. What was the draw for you there? You know, a lot of people, um, their draw is business. Their draw is, you know, because I want to be good or any of those things. And yes, all that's true. Don't get me wrong. I want to have a successful business. I want to do all that stuff. But when I think about it and I do self-reflection and I kind of think about you know, why is this what I'm supposed to do and why do I love doing this? What I realized very early on in my leadership career and what I know to be so true today is the better our leadership is, the better our team is, and the better their life is outside of work. 
And I'm very passionate about building better communities. And that can mean a lot of different things. But as you know, you know me for a long time. You know, I'm very active in the city I'm in. I live inner city for a reason. Um, I volunteer in communities. But to make a better community, we have to have a better emotional experience at work. And we all know those days where you feel really good about yourself at work, you go home and you treat your family better. You show up for your family better. You are nicer to that person at the stoplight who maybe ran it. So instead of getting mad at them, you're like, oh, you know, because you feel good about who you are. And even on bad days, when you've had a bad day, because we're going to have bad days. I am not the leadership coach that's all sunshine, rainbows and butterflies. We're going to have those bad days, but how we lead on bad days helps people go home and it helps them be better for their family and better for their communities. And um, I'm a true believer that as many hours as we spend at work, it is such an influence on our relationships at home. And um, that's why I focus on leadership. So we build better communities. I love that. I mean, I I speak to that too, but I always call it the spillover effect. It's probably very similar. It's mm-hmm. this whole notion that wherever you are is your bucket. And then unknowingly, the spillover effect can be positive or negative, depending on what we're what we're left dealing with after that experience, right? And so I'm conscious of that as a parent going from work to then picking up kids and saying, I don't want whatever just happened here to have a spillover effect with them and vice versa, right? So I think that's a really good point with leadership. I hadn't thought about it in that way so concretely with the community and the person at the stoplight and the person you're interacting with getting your coffee. It can be anywhere. So I invited you on specifically today because I listened to an episode on your podcast that really spoke to me. And I always trust my gut. Like if it speaks to me, somebody else probably needs to hear it too. And obviously I want to point people to your podcast, but I also wanted to have a discussion about this because what struck me was the way you were talking about it. And the topic was around false priorities. Can you give us some landscape on that? Just so if People have never really thought about that before, what that is. Oh my gosh. So as an executive coach, there are very few sessions that go by that I don't ask someone, is that truly your priority or is that your false priority? Because every decision we make, every thought in our head, everything speaks back to the priorities that we are either consciously or unconsciously putting ahead of the other. And it shows up all over the place and you don't realize it until you start getting, you know, basically the mirror put up to you and saying, wait a minute, is that actually your priority? And so we can get into all kinds of different versions of that, but it is really mentally leading yourself and your inner game and outward leading and making decisions based on your actual priorities and not the priority of the moment and the priority that makes you feel good in the moment. And that is not always easy, but it is an incredible way to have the life that you want. So let's talk to somebody who maybe does not work in a corporate environment, but they are leading their family. They are leading at home. Can you give some examples of what developing their priorities might look like and how, like if there's an exercise that you like to walk people through or something that gives somebody that starting point? I think you have to know the priorities first before you can decide if they're identifying false priorities, right? Absolutely. So um, say you're leading your family at home and maybe there are some financial objectives that you have as a family. You have some financial goals 
and you said, you know, this year we're going to save X amount of dollars because we know in 30 years, this is the lifestyle we want to lead. And a, and then everyone agrees to it, right? The, the couple says, yes, that is, or as an individual, even if you're on your own and you've said, these are my financial priorities. Well, every single day you are faced with decisions that either add to that priority or detract from that priority. And so I'm the worst about Instagram shopping or TikTok, TikTok shopping. And so I come across something and I'm like, oh, it may only be say $20, but every one of those $20 decisions is either a priority to my financial long-term goals or it is not. And it's an incredible filter to help you start to say, do I really want to financially buy this? Now, don't get me wrong. I do more shopping than I probably should, but I also understand all of those decisions. And sometimes I'll make a decision that might be you know, inconsistent, but I've at least thought through it. I've at least said, I know I'm going to splurge on this and I don't care. I'm totally down with that. I totally am okay making a decision that is somewhat of a false priority to my financial goals because I just want to, and that's okay too, but you do it in control and you don't do it out of control. It's like having awareness of it is the key because otherwise you go unconsciously through your life and you don't even know how you end up where you end up, but it's very clear that these are just singular choices that kept being made essentially that led you to that place. So it's not a surprise if you add it all up where it goes. So let's talk to somebody who does lead a team in a corporate setting or in a workplace. What are some of the tools that you equip leaders with that help identify the true priorities of the team? So obviously, you know, in a corporate environment, some of our priorities are dictated to us, right? Those are KPIs or business objectives. Those are kind of told to us. Um, so what's interesting, even in, you know, home life or in corporate life to keep your priorities accurate, you have to manage the influence of your supervisor or, you know, your partner at home, you have to manage their influence too. And so when we set those priorities, we have business objectives and we have our own personal, who we are going to be here is who I am, good times and bad times. This is the core of who I am and I will lead this way. So that moral compass that people have to establish themselves as a leader. And so when we establish those things early on the coaching relationship, it allows me to start to say, okay, is this actual or is this not, you know, we've said for six months, this is where you're at or where you want to go. How does this get you there? But then um, helping them start to see other people's false priorities, giving, equipping them on how to stand up to those, um, push back or how to lead in them is important too. And, and we go through those in, in a coaching is really, how do you, how do you maintain them? But um, it, it does start with setting your priorities, business, and personally who you are as a leader, because you have to have a filter to push all your decisions through. So give me an example of a false priority that you often hear in conversation with your coaching clients that is very hard to detect, because I think that's what happens is false priorities seem like they're good enough that they should be a priority. And that's how they get grouped in as, you know, distraction. Otherwise it wouldn't be a distraction at all. You just say no to it. So can you give us an example of that? 
Yeah, I can give you a ton, but one of my favorite ones, one I see so often because I think that, and I, I coach male and, and female, but I coach with females. I see this a little bit more often is the sense of perfectionism. And so we'll be talking through something and they may say, hey, I'm overwhelmed or I've got too much going on. And I'll say, okay, tell me what's going on. Let's go through your, what, what's on your plate. Let's go through it. And they'll have things on their plate that their team could be doing. And I'll be like, well, why, why are you holding on to that? Is that something you could delegate? Oh, they, I just, it's just, it's just faster if I do it myself, or I know if I do it myself, then, you know, it's going to be right or any of those things we have all said. But then I say, but I thought that your priority was having a high functioning team. Well, yeah, of course I want that. Well, how are they ever going to be high functioning if you don't delegate to them? How are they ever going to be high functioning if you don't take the time to develop them? And so it's that sense of, wow, this very small decision of just doing this work and not delegating is holding me back from having a high functioning team. Um, also someone who says, you know, as a leadership brand, I want to be known to, as someone who is one who develops and champions. Okay, great. If you're not delegating, you're not championing and developing people. So which is your priority? Is your priority to do it yourself or is your priority to create high functioning teams and being known for people, someone who gives opportunities for others. I love that example because it's a good one you could apply to work or home, which is obviously like with kids, if you want them to be self-sufficient, you want them to be independent, but you do everything for them, there's never a chance for them to become more that way. As painful as the first few times of them doing it could be, it's well worth it in the long run because it's like, oh good, you got yourself dressed, Grace, I can't. I'm so excited. It's like, ah, but meanwhile, I am very happy that she knows how to put on a whole outfit because that is the skill set she needs. And so I think that's kind of part of the the rub in that situation for a lot of people is it's like faster and, and time seems to be like the currency of everything. And so the perception of if I can do it faster, I win. Right. And that's, there is a little bit of, um, there's a little bit of a lie embedded in that because ultimately long-term it will be a lot faster if they're equipped. Can One thing you talked about that I love is you said you have to be funneling it through the lens of what do you want to be known for? Because you both of those instances give you something to be known for. Neither is bad necessarily. It's just different. And when we know what we want to be known for, we have a clearer filter. So Talk to me about that, like the work you do around that. And how does somebody work to get to the bottom of what they want to be known for? So it's not easy um, to get to the bottom of that. And it changes too. And I think that's important too. What you want to be known for at one spot of your life or your career or as a parent, you know, what you want to be known for as a parent when your child is nine is probably different from what, how you want to parent when they're 19. Same with careers. If you're, you know, early, mid, late career, um, the first question I ask people when I say, what do you want to be known for? They're like, ah, I was like, imagine leaving a room that has your supervisor, your peers, um, people you care about that you work with, your direct reports, you leave the room. What do you want them to say about you behind your back? Because that wow. starts to, I know, right? Because everyone <laughs> is saying something behind your back, good or bad. You know, 
if someone brings you up in conversation, I'm like, oh my God, I just adore her. She's doing such great things. Like I, you know, I'm inspired by her. Like those are the things I would say behind your back, right? When your name comes up. And so getting people to be honest about what they want people to say about them behind their back, because that's that kind of shocker, right? What do you want to be known for? Well, right. we want people to say about you. Oh gosh, because they will. And so getting them to write that down and I get them to write it down in that person's voice. You can't say, I want my, you know, direct report to say this. No, you say my boss is, and she is the, like, and you get them to write it in their voice. And that starts to get really, really honest. And it gives us language again, to push back towards. So if someone comes to me in a session and they're working on something, I'll say, well, let's get out the voice. Would your team be able to say this about you this week? they'd probably be able to say two things, but not the third. Well, what do you have to change to get that third right? Or what decisions are you making that are holding you back from that third thing? And that's some really amazing work when you write what people are going to say about you in their voice, because that's, it's not easy work. But if people are going to coaching, they're not coming for easy work. No, talk about next levels, self-awareness, because I think a lot of times that, uh, that idea of what do other people think in a workplace setting is only really examined at mid-year and end of year performance reviews. And that gap in between is like kind of tend to forget like all the things we're working towards. And it's very easy to forget because usually there's a lot of other priorities coming in. So I think that's such good advice to also put it in a voice that you're not going to as easily forget because I agree. It's a lot harder to miss that when you're thinking about when I leave the room, what are they going to say? It's just, wow, I can, I'm like picturing an actual conference room that I sat in for many years. As soon as you said that, I, I put myself right in that space and that's kind of what it takes, right? Cause you needed to feel some, you need to feel something about that. The most important decisions about your career will be made in a room that you are not in. And so if you don't know what you want them to say about you and you don't act in that way, then those decisions will be made in a room where you have no input and you better hope that that group of people know who you actually are and what you're capable of. Wow. Okay. Well, we could end the podcast there, but I have a few more questions. <laughs> okay. So when people catch themselves in a false priority, like they've started going down that road and they catch, oh shoot, like I'm doing it again or whatever it is. What advice do you have for somebody at that moment? Because I think that's when most people realize it is like they're already two feet down the road and they're like, ah, I already said yes to this. Well, there's sometimes we say yes and we have to stay in that yes. And we we acknowledge, you know, that this was not the best decision, but because of my other priorities, sticking towards my word or any of that, this situation, yes, I have to stick to. But there are other things that you don't. So you have to be honest, like you may make a decision for your team. And then after a couple of days, you've changed your mind. An inexperienced leader would change their mind based on emotions. And just all of a sudden we're running a new direction and everyone's like, well, I didn't even know what happened. Um, and we've all worked for that person who changes their mind every week. And we're all just trying to, to follow. But a mature leader, a creative mind leader would go into that conversation and say, I know that this is the direction I've provided you, but I've thought a lot about it and I'm going to change my mind. And this is why I'm changing my mind, because I want you to understand my thought process to help you understand your thought process. 
Um, but I want to take you along on this ride so you really understand why it's changed. Because when we understand why something's changing or we understand why someone changed their mind, that feels very different than it happening just to us. And when someone doesn't share information about why, then it's just happening to us. We get reactive. We start making false priorities and it starts to snowball. But you just have to be very honest with whoever it is will be impacted by you changing your mind and sticking to who you truly want to be and what your priorities truly are. I love that point though, because changing your mind is being human. Like you know something different, you have access to new insight, new information, you might change your mind, but taking ownership for that and operating in integrity is is the difference maker. It's not as though you have to be perfect and just stay one way forever. In fact, that's probably not great leadership in action, but I love that. Okay, so how do you best filter decisions for you through the lens of what matters most? Like what is your process for filtering? So it's, you know, it's very easy to tell people to do it because, you know, that's fun. Um, It's harder to do it yourself. And I recognize that for myself and everyone on my team and everyone that I coach and everyone who's listening to this. And so when something happens, you, because of the way we are built neurologically, we can't control it our emotions will respond first because that comes from the chemical reaction. So something happens, we have to make a decision. We have to decide how we want to handle it, you know, whatever, what we're even going to say to someone, but immediately there's a chemical reaction that produces an emotion. That emotion doesn't have to be true for you or for me or anyone else. And so I will stop and go, Oh, I will recognize the emotion I'm feeling. I will decide if that's the emotion I want to hang out with in this situation, or do I want to pick a new one? And typically I will pick a new one. So, you know, let's say that I'm, I think I'm going to close a contract with someone and it doesn't happen. I can immediately feel like, oh my gosh, no, I wanted that. Or like, you know, you feel all those emotions of fear where if the next one's going to, like all those emotions, but then I can say, okay, it's okay to feel that. But what else I can feel is this isn't a no forever. This is a no for today, but I can handle it in a way that allows me to be what the person they want six months from now. I can handle it in a way that allows me to learn so I can be better next time. I can handle it in a way that three or four years from now, that person I was working with remembers me and wishes they could have closed that contract, but couldn't for whatever reason, because Nine times out of 10, it has nothing to do with me or the services it has to do with their business. Then I know that I'm building my future business. I know I'm building future relationships and networking. And so I always recognize the emotion that hits me, say, okay, with it, pick the emotion I want to handle and who I, who I need to be in this situation. And then I act on that. That's such good advice. Cause I think that's true with nearly any type of interaction and a lot of times the the priorities that we set do have some sort of like result attached because that's obviously how we're wired to, to be motivated. And so if the result doesn't happen at the speed or in the time frame that we're looking for, it's really easy to attach some sort of feeling to that. And that's, that's where I think a lot of us kind of self-sabotage. So I love that advice because that's just very practical for nearly anyone doing anything. Yes. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Can you give us just, I want to close this up with the false priorities, because I think the other thing that I hear a lot is the false priority of doing 
what we think other people want us to do versus what we want to do. And sometimes there's a middle ground there, right? I'm sure that you you do have to factor in what other people want of you too, depending on your dynamic. Um, but how do you help somebody navigate those two and find a balance within? Oh my gosh. So um, pleasing others or having a pleasing mindset is a, um, is it's an interesting habit that many of us have, and we all, we all probably have a piece of it to a different extent, um, but it's one of the biggest um, sabotagers of our priorities when we're trying to please others or when we're trying to look good in front of someone. So that's a big false priority. I would rather look um, smart than ask a question that could help me make a better decision. I would rather um, my kids look well-dressed than to teach them how to dress themselves because then they may build a crazy outfit and the teacher might be going, wow, what'd you wear to school today? So is your priority that your kids are well-dressed or is your priority that they're functioning adults and learn how to dress themselves? And so those are- That's what I keep telling myself, Jen. I keep telling myself. Yes. Crossing my fingers. That's right. They're building a sense of style. And so, and having confidence to put on what you want, right? There's so much value in allowing a child to pick what they want to wear. Um, But, you know, us, we have to not be pleasers or worry about what other people think about us. But, you know, those are the things um, that we have to start to recognize. Now, that's very, you know, on surface, be able to say, you know what, I'm not going to please anyone. I'm not going to please anyone. But then sometimes we do have to negotiate. We have to say, okay, I'm going to do this. And we're in relationships. We're in all different types of things. And so I think it's just important to talk about it and say, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to go along with this decision, or I'm willing to partner with you on this decision, but you need to know that these are the reasons why I'm willing to do it, even though it's not what I would typically decide to do. And so say you're trying to make a big financial decision. We'll go back to that. You know, maybe we want to go on this vacation that is a lot more than what we would typically want to spend. And one, you know, person is wanting to spend that money, the other one might not want to. So you can say, okay, well, we can do this, but not that. And we maybe get it down. We may not get it down the whole way, but then you say, okay, well, there's a thousand dollar difference here from our budget. So where else do we find that thousand dollars? We can find it. There's a thousand ways to make a dollar. You can save a dollar, you can make a dollar, you can invest a dollar. And so it's about knowing why you're compromising, finding a way to compromise it in a different way. Or just saying this one time I will compromise because we're going to be excited about these memories and these memories are worth that thousand dollars to me. So you just have to work through it, but it's so much easier to work through it when you really know what your priorities are and you have that self-awareness to think through it. Because then instead of walking around feeling guilty on your vacation because you made this decision, you're walking around feeling very confident because you know why you made it and you know what other decisions you made because of it or you know why you made it. And if you walk around feeling guilty, you're not making those great memories. You're not making this the trip of a lifetime that your kids will never forget because you're walking around feeling guilty. So um, it's okay to compromise, but know why you compromised. Yeah. And communicate about it. I love that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one of my favorite things to do is to ask some lightning round questions as we near the end, Mm -hmm. just so everyone gets to know you a little bit, gives you a chance to share some things other than what we talked about today. So I'm going to dive right in. What is a dream that's on your heart that is still left unpursued at this point? 
Oh, that's, um, I love to travel and I haven't been traveling. So there, I have a list and one of them is Angkor Wat in Cambodia, Cambodia. And is, and I, I will get to Angkor Wat someday, but it still sets on me. I love that. Okay. Um, okay. So what would someone that knows you well know that you have always been known for your whole life? Oh, good question. I think what they would say is that um, I show up for my friends and I show up with them without judgment. Love that. Because it's one thing to show up. It's another thing to show up without judgment. That's that's powerful. If you weren't doing this work, what would you be doing? I would be a librarian. I totally could see that. <laughs> I know how much you like to read. That's the only reason I say that. Yeah. You probably are a little too wired to be around people at this point, mm-hmm. but maybe you're ready for that. I don't that's know. Right. That's awesome. I'd be the TikTok library. What are you reading right now? Oh, what am I reading right now? Oh, there you yeah. go. There you the go. TikTok librarians. I'd still be out like trying to influence and help people find their favorite reading book. Um, so what I'm reading right- For sure you would. Yeah. I know. So what I'm reading right now is I'm reading a lot of historic fiction and uh, recently read um, Tomorrow, Tomorrow, and Tomorrow. Recently read um, Lessons in Chemistry. Both of those have incredible female characters who struggle through adversity and their own mental self-awareness. And um, it's funny, I don't read leadership books because I have to have my own views. I don't want to be absorbed by, I don't want other people to influence. I want to have my own, but I learn leadership and self-development and self-awareness through reading stories about other people. So that's where I get a lot of my, um, my influence from is through fiction. That's so good. Do you, do you read like bio, like autobiographies and memoirs? Oh, I do. And I'm reading a really good one right now. Um, Viola Davis. Wow. It's okay. powerful. Okay. Cause I feel like there's so much self-development, like personal development, leadership stuff woven in the best memoirs and autobiographies. And I like that too. I think that's so much more, it's probably why I like interviewing people on podcasts because it's, it's the story behind it. It's not just a philosophy that anyone can have a philosophy, but it's so much more interesting when there's something behind that, that led them to that realization, you know? Um, who do you, who do you listen to the most? Um, it doesn't sound like you do from a leadership standpoint. Who do you listen to like from a thought leadership standpoint that you feel like brings a really interesting, different perspective? Um, Malcolm Glidewell. I really enjoy yeah. his, he's, he, his, it's research, it's information that can be applied in a lot of different places. And he doesn't tell you how to apply it. He just equips you with knowledge. That's so good. And we have plenty of people telling us what to think. It's really refreshing to be brought through the process of allowing you to kind of make informed decisions, mm-hmm. but be informed about all of the paths, right? And I think that like most people want to be treated that way. Like we're all very smart. We have our own lens that we look at the world. So I agree. He's, he's really great. Okay. So last question. Um, what's one habit in your day? Let's take out reading. Cause I feel like reading is pretty, I know it's a, I know it's a deep rooted habit of yours besides reading. What's one thing, one habit in your day that you would never skip? Oh my gosh. One habit that I would never skip. I check in with um, at least one friend every day. 
And I, I have a, a beautiful, amazing group of um, female friends that I just adore and inspire me every day. And there's not a day that I don't go by that I don't send a text to someone and just say, hey, just wanted you to know I was thinking about you. Oh, well, that's admirable and, and definitely inspiring. I feel like that is a quality that you know, it takes a lot of conscious effort, but for you, once you have the habit down, I'm sure it's like, no, it's just what I do. So what a great reminder that that can also be a habit. It doesn't have to be a, I mean, it is self-filling. It does fill you as well, but I'm sure it has mm-hmm. a huge spillover effect to those people. So, well, I'm just so glad to know you, Jen, and I'm so thankful that you were on the show. I know that this is going to really resonate with a lot of people who listen. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for your friendship for all these years. We won't, we won't spill how many it is, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not, we'll just leave it the way it is. It's perfect. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. I would so love to hear what really connected for you in this conversation. I walked away thinking about some things differently. And I know if I am, that likely means some of you are as well. And I just love to hear the story behind the story for you. So not only what connected, but why did it connect in a new way? Was it something that she said? Was it something that I asked? I just love to know. So thank you for always sharing the podcast on social media, leaving your reviews and your ratings. I read every single one and I hope you have a fabulous week.